Well, thank you so much, Phoebe and Kat, for, for joining me today. Very excited to, to talk about both of your journeys before Attitude and, and Attitude sort of mission and vision. And, and before we get into Attitude and maybe why you founded it, talk about why you decided to start start the brand. Yeah, this is Phoebe. I'm the founder and CEO of Attitude. So actually, Attitude has been established for nine years, actually, just a couple days ago, we just celebrated our nine years. So Congratulations. Started, yeah, thank you. We, we, I started in in Australia, actually. And then we we later grow into the US market. Now it's more a global operating company. But I started in Australia is that at that time, uh, when I moved from uh, uh, China to, to Australia and lived in Australia, I started to get to know the the climate change or the environment uh, damages that also the fashion and the textile industry uh, would, would have on um, on the on the planet, that's uh, that's when I decided to do something about it. That's why I also embedded in our brand name. Uh, attitude means eco attitude. So to have um, s- sustainable but also high performance, better quality, and also um, affordable price uh, products for for conscious consumers at that time. Consumers were really pressing for better products. Uh, myself need that kind of product. So I looked down the market. Okay, there, there might be some interesting materials that to be utilized in the fashion industry, but there's really only very very old material uh, right. was was using in the, in the in the home sector right there's no innovation on the material in the home sector for a long long time we're still using the material we uh, the human invented 3000 years ago yeah. cottons the linen or silk or, or the worst maybe something invented 50 years ago but polyester which is the worst of the worst uh, so i think got to be a better way so that's why i i, I go on uh, this this mission to to try to find a, a solution for that that came by um this clean bamboo uh, technology that utilize a very clean and toxic way to process uh, organic bamboo into a high quality fiber that we can then turn into yarn and weave into different textile and turn into finished products. And I joined Attitude four years ago after uh, being an entrepreneur for a few years. And I've been passionate about the wellness space for a decade now and started my first company out of a passion to create better quality food from around the world and deliver that to your doorstep. That was my first company that I ended up scaling and I sold in 2017. And after that, I was doing advising for a number of uh, early stage companies looking for the next big thing and Mm -hmm. met Phoebe online. And uh, Phoebe sent me attitude sheets and (laughs) I fell in love with the product. They were the best sheets I've ever slept on. I had the best sleep of my life. I slept like a baby and so did my husband. And he was like, Kat, you have to join this company. And I completely agreed. Not only were the sheets just amazingly comfortable because they're so breathable, so soft um, and moisture wicking. So for anybody that runs hot at night, it's just mm-hmm. like a perfect solution. Um, but also it's a non-toxic processing of bamboo and is a very sustainable alternative, as Phoebe mentioned, to conventional fabrics like cotton and viscose made from bamboo, as well as other alternatives that are out there in the market. And we didn't know quite how good (laughs) our sheets were until recently when we did a scientific study uh, with third-party life cycle assessment agency to actually quantify that we are saving 38% of carbon emissions and 99% of water on top of it being completely non-toxic. So that's been just amazing and really resonated with my 
personal values uh, to work on a product and a company that can make a positive change in the world. Uh, I'm also a mom. I have two kids and I really care about the planet that we're leaving for the next generation. So I'm just super excited that we have new technology that can, you know, really make a huge impact here. Uh, If we could replace a big chunk of cotton, viscose, silk, cashmere with better alternatives, uh, we could really make a dent in our emissions. I think uh, whether it's non-toxic, organic, there's a lot of terms that maybe a, a you know a general consumer might not sort of understand, and, and maybe a, a conscious consumer in general, right? It's still sort of you know there's a lot of science that goes into it, or maybe not, right? And I think that's why I wanted to chat about what exactly is sort of non-toxic bamboo or textile, you know, versus like you said, traditional cotton textiles or other or other stuff like what's i guess the the biggest difference and has technology in, enabled this um and and that's why we we see the ability of your clean bamboo to actually exist or were you just the ones that wanted to do it and it was kind of sitting there the whole time and and yeah. you just decided to do it no yeah I, I can talk about it so the chemicals in in the textile there are two parts of it one is at the growing process. So conventional cotton use a lot of pesticides, fertilizer, there's a lot of chemical in there, which is also not good for the for the farmers. Um, mm-hmm. Bamboo grown organically doesn't only require rainwater and also, yeah, again, saving water is also another big part of it, the environment impact, but just, just back to the chemical. So in yeah, the growing, so why organic? So of course you also have organic cotton. So at least that's better on the growing side that you don't use all those chemicals to spray the, the crops. Mm-hmm. And eventually they also go into the water system, pollute the water system that eventually might go into human or go into your food, go into fish. That's the first part. And in the process, a lot of the uh, conventional, like the rayon viscose products, they use a lot of chemical uh, during the processing to get the fiber out. And then usually they don't do a good uh, wastewater management. And those, again, the toxic chemicals will go out to, to, the, to the water system again. And also are not good for the, uh, for the workers in the factory. One of the chemicals they use is costosoda. It's so it's a very strong um, chemical. Like in three hours, if it's highly concentrated in three hours, that can dissolve a human body. Um, hmm. So that's how bad it is. Yeah. Um, so even use a little bit, even the 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 smell out of it is is bad for for your you know for your lungs for your breathing system. So it's not good for the workers. And then again, if it's leaking even a little bit out uh, out of it in the water system, it's also bad. And also, of course, there's uh, the, the dyeing system. Of course, you can, uh, so all our techs are also OEKO level level one certified, are baby safe. So we think if it's, it just should be human safe. We should not separate, oh, it's safe for baby. Right. Uh, right. You know, just have the more strict, um, just safe for human, period, baby or adult. So a lot of the harmful chemicals could, could also go into the dye system. So even say if an organic cotton, if you don't dye it properly, it, the end product might still not be good. So it has to consider all from the growing of the crops to, to the end result or until the dyeing that all to know use non-toxic chemicals. And then, then it's also not leaking to the environment. And Phoebe, I also read that some uh, textiles are finished with formaldehyde at the yeah, end. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> just I when just, you think yeah. it can't get any worse, it does somehow get worse. Exactly. So when you think of it, it's like yeah, this yeah, people might not know the science of or, or certain chemical, but just so like I said, Costola, okay, three hours dissolve a human body. Okay, picture that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
And then so, and the problem is like, oh my God, we are sleeping for eight hours mm-hmm. every day. Uh, and your, your skin is in contact with these chemicals. <laughs> and we're wondering why we have all these health issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, that's we also specific about no harmful chemicals because not all chemicals mm-hmm. are bad, right? And basically everything is chemical. Like, okay, cooking baking soda, you cook with it. So that's okay. And it actually can uh, do a lot of things. So so, so some people, our consumer also have a misconception. Oh, all chemicals are bad. If you use any chemical, it's bad. No, it, it, it's really what chemical. But yeah, there's a lot of science or knowledge in it. But actually, we just have to keep on talking about it. So consumer really get to know it and understand what has been using in, in the products. But that's why we are talking about clean bamboo here. We really mm-hmm. wanted to make a difference here. We're not using any harmful chemicals. And also, mm-hmm. like, we, we want to start a movement for clean textiles, yeah. similar to how there is, you know, people are aware of organic food, that they should right. be eating clean, but also there's clean beauty. You shouldn't be putting, you know, chemicals in your cosmetics that are hormone disruptors, et cetera. And same thing with textiles. You know, you're, you're, like I mentioned, your skin is your biggest organ and you're in contact with fabric all day. Yeah. Food was sort of the first revolution, I think, where people really, you know, not everybody, but I think the movement has happened of trying to eat more healthy and understanding where your food come from, what's in it, I think was huge sort of transitional over the last, what, I would say maybe two decades. And now we see maybe the last, I think decade, you've seen it with sort of the fashion industry and then textiles, right? I mean, we we just don't think of it, I think, because of our skin, we don't digest it like we do food. Like maybe we don't think of skin as dissol- like dissolving anything can dissolve in our skin. But it's like you said, I mean, it's our biggest organ. I, I want to talk about your path real quick, Kat, on coming from food and dealing with farmers, right? And on a different side uh, and then coming into to the textile side of things. What were some of the maybe similarities, but also things that might have shocked you, I guess, coming into to this sector after coming from the food sector? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of similarities and textile similar to food is mostly made from plants, unless you're talking about polyester, right? Uh, which is made from fossil fuels. Other than polyester, it's made from plants and it's it's affecting our climate and the way that we, we use our land. So in terms of how it's grown, it's very important, as Phoebe mentioned before. So cotton is the dirtiest crop on earth. Uh, it's really sad, but it does release 220 million tons of CO2, 250 billion tons of water are required. It uses a ton of fertilizers and pesticides, which contribute to climate change. And of course, there are poor human rights, poor human rights record there. It's similar to the farming industry in general for food where there are issues, right? We contribute a lot um, to climate change with our farming practices that are monoculture. Um, And so now there's a big movement towards regenerative farming where you're rotating crops, you're not tilling, you're not using pesticides and fertilizers, and you're being a lot more conscious. You have animals running in the same space. So I think the same approach needs to happen in the textile space. I want to touch a little bit on technology and how that's perhaps been an enabler to make more clean textiles. Can you walk us maybe through that process of of how technology perhaps enables innovation to where we can have more clean textiles? And maybe just from the attitude point of view, how does technology 
in, in the stack of Etitude, like what, what role does technology play in helping to have more cleaner fabric, specifically in sort of the clean ba- bamboo? Definitely a lot. But I think right now it's also a very exciting moment because consumer demand driving, there's a lot of innovation happening in this space. So, and also I think each innovation is always built on the last innovation, right? So to turning bamboo into textile, it has been out there 20, 30 years, but the older way is use the rayon viscous process assess, still use harmful chemical to process the bamboo to get the fiber out. So even the bamboo as a plant is super uh, sustainable, but you use a, a, a not non-sustainable way to process it, the end product is still not ideal. So what mm-hmm. we improve there, the, the, our innovation is really on that better, cleaner process to use non-toxic chemical. Or it's an organic compound can dissolve the bamboo and get the fiber out, which you can put your hands in there and nothing will happen. So because it's just a non-toxic organic compound. And also we will recycle the, the compound and also the water in the system, which is a closed loop system. Uh, so first, it's super efficient on water. That's why we save 99% water compared to um, cotton. And uh, and also even the compound was uh, recycled in in the system. Uh, it's not even go out to the environment. And also super efficient that you can reuse it up to 200 times. So then, and also the end fiber is also better than the rayon viscous, the, the older ones. Because you are you preserve a lot of the um, bamboo's uh, natural property in that using the harmful. Because if you use harmful chemical, basically it's kind of cooked, cooked the plant <laughs> heavily, right? There's not much left, not much natural stuff left. So it, it preserves a lot of its 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 good properties. So the 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 fiber is 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 stronger. Uh, it when we uh, weave that into our setting, we've it's so. Yuki smooth and soft, it's super breathable. Uh, yeah, and we are all, uh, so that's where we started and we perfected like a years ago. And of course, along the years, we also uh, start to experiment more like different blends or turn that into different weaves. Like we have the satin weave, we have twill, we can make that into waffle weave, into into bath, bath products. Uh, recently, we also just launched a vegan, vegan cashmere. It feels like cashmere. Hmm. But they still use this same bamboo fiber, but the hand touch is just like cashmere. And if you don't tell people, people just touch, oh, it's nice cashmere, but I tell, oh, it's made from bamboo. And people are like, jaw just like dropped. Like, how come yeah. like a bamboo can turn into this soft thing? And it's, it, it can be, you know, hand washed, like uh, cashmere you need to dry clean, right? So even on the on the wash side, it's also easier and more sustainable. So, so that's very exciting. That's what I enjoyed doing day in day out that's just to kind of explore experiment what what's the possibility of this fiber and also there are even more possibility to blend with other sustainable uh, fibers or collab with other innovative innovators in the space to see yeah what we can come out build together as founders and when you look at scale right it, it's always yeah. it's always this i think being in whether it's textile fashion you know even any hard good right anything that's physical we talk about scale. There's a lot of supply chains that go into that. There's a lot of different factors, and especially when we talk about the environment, sustainability, and regeneration. Even how do you how do you balance scaling but also maintaining you know your responsibility right as a brand and and mm-hmm. still keep your your foundation of hey we're here for conscious consumers. We're here for the earth. You know, as mm-hmm. we as you scale to, to bigger numbers across the world, because we have such tremendous savings of resources per ton of material that we produce, 
I don't feel guilty at all because we are replacing something that would have been so much worse. Mm. Obviously, we're always looking to continue to reduce our impact, but it's already so, so good. Um, for example, versus silk, we save 100% of water, 86% of CO2, and we avoid 98% of eutrophication, which is a word uh, that means the amount of toxic chemicals that end up leaching into the environment. So those are enormous savings. And versus something like cotton that's really prevalent, if we replace that, we are saving 99% of water, 38% of CO2, and 85% of eutrophication. So these are such huge numbers yeah. um, that even though we're you know, we're, we're creating a product, so it's still extracting and using some resources. The amount of resources that we're using is just a fraction, a tiny fraction of what would have been used in a more conventional way. So that gives us a lot of hope and optimism for the future, because if we can replace some conventional materials with next generation materials, and there's right. so many cool innovations going on right now, especially in the leather space, uh, to use mycelium, for example, yep. that is really interesting. And so we are always looking to continue to reduce our impact. It's already very low, but we offset our remaining emissions or climate neutral certified for the last several years. And we're always looking to reduce that impact even further with, by finding sources of savings. So for example, yeah. like how many factories can we switch to clean energy, for example, instead yeah. of fossil fuel energy? Finding these opportunities helps us be even more sustainable. Yeah. So we also invested, um, we just signed on a partner, a third party, I think it's called, named called Good Lab to establish our scientific based reduction target. Nice. So our goal is actually, you know, establish how per unit we can keep saving. Maybe yes, total we're selling more total units, but per, on a per unit level, we can make it saving more and more than conventional. So that that's still very net positive. And the, the any any carbon emission we are totally offset. That's that's one part. And another part is also the full circularity we're working on. We actually already had a e-commerce uh, part of the business. Uh, we actually also just quite launched. We want to test that the whole logistic flow is good. So we haven't do a marketing push, but it's actually already live. And we, we just use family and friends to test like everything works. So people can return their used attitude products and our, our partner will uh, recycle it. Or And we're also working on technology that we can actually turn that back into fiber. That way, then we can make new products again. Wow. Yeah. So... So that will also cut the whole emission of the big, the, because you don't need to cut down bamboo to make new products, right? You can take back the old products and, and there's the, the fiber there is still good. So that's two main ways we, we keep like working on, on, on that as well as we grow. Yeah, all this stuff is, is so new and it's, it's really difficult. To, to do all these things appropriately. Like is, and look, you don't have to share any tips for any compares or anything, but I guess advice to, you know, other companies, right? Cause it, it, we're going to need this ideology to scale. Mm. Um, I guess what if, what advice would you give just the business sector in general, specifically in, in, in the textile industry on, I guess, how to incorporate these practices within your, whether it's your supply chain, whether it's in your manufacturing, whether it's in your labs, whatever it may be, you know, just advice and tip for other founders in the industry. And also like, how long did it take <laughs> to actually mm. like think these things through and actually implement? 
implement them in the correct way. I think if a, a brand, they think long-term why, you have to do that because this is a price, the environment price, you're, you're going to either pay now or pay later. I think a lot of the, or the government, especially Europe, will start to tighten up a lot of regulations and, and soon it'll be illegal that you, you, you produce unsustainable products, right? Plastic bags already being banned, single-use plastic bags already being banned, uh, you know, so there could be soon, there's certain textile material be banned if because mm-hmm. it's just so bad. But if so, the company is not working on good alternative, they're certainly fine. They, they, overnight, they're out of business. Um, so I think a lot of big brands, especially big brands, they, they have a lot of, you know, there, they, they, they realize it will be a, actually a, a risk for them that they're also seeking to be more, use, utilizing more sustainable materials. And of course, the consumer is pushing that. I think the consumer is pushing and government regulation, the, the tide is, is changed. Yeah. And, and my advice for founders, maybe who are earlier stage than a big brand already, um, we can just, you know, obviously try to look for more sustainable materials. But one other way is to think about the longevity of your product. Mm-hmm. How can you expand the lifetime of it? How can people use it longer? How can you repair it? Uh, so there are now third parties, third party services that can actually help brands in the fashion space to, you know, take back and repair their products and resell it again. And, you know, think about how can you make more classic pieces that might last more than a season? Uh, so the, there are ways that fashion entrepreneurs can think about sustainability holistically, not just by using better materials, but also thinking through how do you make something last longer. What's your, I, I want to get, Kat, your thoughts first on, you know, when we look at consumers, especially like American consumers maybe versus Australian consumers or e- even European, I guess touch on how the American su- consumer going forward will see this transition because I think it's grown, it's grown quite a bit. I've, I'm about the same, Cosars is about the same age as Attitude. <laughs> will be 10 in November. So we've kind of seen this really revolution in just the time I've started, right? In a decade, we have went from, you know, conscious consumerism and sort of eco-friendly products really not being at the the height of, of thought for consumers to now it's really, I mean, penetrated a lot of different markets and a lot of different consumer mindsets. As we as we move forward, like what's your overall thoughts on just content, conscious consumerism in, in America first, and then we'll go globally? But do you think we're just at the beginning or? Yeah, I think it's just starting, actually. We're just, you know, scratching the surface of it. I think people are becoming a lot more aware of what, uh, you know, what impact their purchases make. Did you know that actually textiles is the number two most polluting industry in the world, contributing 10% of CO2 emissions? So even these daily purchases make such a big impact. And, you know, it's something that is easy uh, for people to make a right, the right choice. You know, we just need to educate folks uh, that this is an issue like they did with organic food before and how the clean beauty movement started. So I think it's just starting. Honestly, I think it's going to continue to grow and it's going to grow globally. There are some parts of the world that are more educated about it. Europe, for example, they're a lot more conscious about their sustainable fashion there probably because regulations are a bit more advanced there. Uh, People know that they shouldn't be purchasing polyester and they know that viscose is bad uh, as opposed to here in the U.S. People are just starting to think about that. Phoebe, you want to touch on Australian maybe consumers or or, so that part of the world? and Quite a lot of 
similarity, but I, I think Australia uh, consumers definitely very eco conscious on, on a lot of little things. Like I think single use plastic cutlery just got banned, you know, at a federal level. So I think in the US, there's still a lot of restaurants use that. So oh, yeah. in certain their regulations are also a bit of us. Also on the recycle side, they do a pretty good job and also do a lot of education. That's why, you know, 10 years ago, I, I, I came to Australia. I, I learned all this that kind of inspired me to, to develop more sustainable products. So I think in a lot of the ways, they probably slightly doing better than American consumers. Yeah, actually, there's a new movement here in, in America. There's more awareness. Have you heard of um, man-made chemicals known as PFAS, the forever chemicals? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, there is a growing awareness for this, and they're about to be banned. And they're starting to introduce reg- legislation to actually filter water in certain areas in the U.S. because these forever chemicals are showing up in water, but they're also in your your food, your clothes, your home, and they don't disappear. Mm-hmm. That's why they're called forever chemicals. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, they're used in, in, in things like Teflon, um, but also like to make things grease or stain resistant or even water resistant. So a lot of clothing that has, you know, water resistant coating has these chemicals. Um, so there's a growing awareness of that and they're going to start regulating that as well. Yeah, I wanted to, I'll end on a couple questions and the first one, and then I'll get to the last one. But the first one was around sort of regulation and just maybe what you, you see, or I don't know if you if you talk to any legislators in the US or if there are any bills in, in the House or Senate around banning certain materials. I, I just moved back from Europe and it's, it is much, I mean, just in the clean beauty industry, there's thousands mm-hmm. of ingredients that you can't even use. Same in, you know, same in food, you know, so there's, there's a definitely a difference there on what you can eat, what you can put on, you know, your body. But here it's, you know, it's just so, it's just so different. Uh, are regulators even, even talking about this stuff other than the, the chemical you just, the forever chemical you just spoke of? Is there anything else on the horizon or do you speak with any policymakers at all and on any subject matters around doing similar regulations like the EU has? Yeah, we don't speak with the lawmakers, but we are excited that there is a New York Fashion Act uh, that was proposed recently. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which would regulate the fashion industry to reduce its usage of cotton, leather, and polyester, uh, which is very exciting. And if brands do not comply with their uh, basically their targets to reduce the usage of these harmful textiles, they would be fined up to 2% of their revenues. So that's a significant fine that they're being that is being considered. Um, but it's creating a lot more awareness for consumers as well, because they're like, Oh, what is what is this? You know, what is this new law? And why? Why is cotton bad? I mean, people, most people know why polyester is bad. It's not biodegradable and it's made out of fossil fuels. Most people don't really know why leather or cotton are bad because, oh, those are natural, you know, we should, that yeah. should be okay, right? Uh, but there are a lot of chemicals being used in the process and the growing part. And obviously leather also has animal mm-hmm. uh, rights, uh, animal you know, cruelty um, mm-hmm. implications. So I'll end on the, the last question is really just a little bit about the future and maybe the next decade. You know, attitude's about about a decade old now, and it's uh, it's growing, it's scaling, it's it's done so much already. I think it's sort of really a leader in the how to like how we spoke, like just developing methodology around how to build mm-hmm. maybe a modern brand, um, product brand, e-commerce brand. There's there's a lot of things that go into the, to this nowadays, and it's it's hard to be. You know, I spoke with uh, 
a person a while ago and and they were talking about the word sustainability and and they were like you know that that's so, it's such a transient term it can mean different things it's like just be responsible as a as a brand right and it seems so simple but it's it's really difficult uh with so many ins and outs so over the maybe if you look at the next let's maybe not go a decade yet but maybe the next 3 to 5 years what are some of the goals and successes you would like to see you know as a brand and as a team uh be successful in well, definitely keep innovating. So as I said, we have a lot of very ambitious and exciting um, product about roadmap, you know, exploring new, more new fiber technologies, uh, like utilize more, not just uh, bamboo, but also like agricultural waste, food waste, uh, more go to the to the 100% being circular model uh, of our, our product products and business model. Uh, and also working with other innovators in the space and also working with bigger brands to make more impact. So as one brand, we can only do so much, but I believe the, the, now is the day of collaborating, not competing. Yeah. So together we can move this industry forward. So so definitely want to work uh, other progressive brands to, to collaborate on to replace more those traditional non-sustainable um, materials. And then so people can enjoy not just like home goods, but also, yeah, the clothing, their, their shoes, the, the material could, a, whole, a total like material revamp, you know, of, of anything that could touch uh, people's uh, life. Yeah, absolutely. We want to replace as much cotton, viscose, tensile, and lyocell, uh, which we're actually more sustainable than that, uh, and cashmere and silk as we can. Phoebe mentioned we can only do so much as a single brand, uh, which is why we have now started to partner with other brands that use materials mm-hmm. to help them improve their impact yeah. as well. Yeah, that's a big part of all this. Collaboration is mm-hmm. is huge. I think there's a lot of different levels to to all this. I really appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate your your thought process as as founders and as leaders in the space. Like again, these methodologies building out these foundational aspects of you know, what a modern brand could look like, what it should look like. And, and again, innovation will come in a lot of different ways, not just materials, but the impact models and methodologies will change, technologies will change, you know, so they'll be, you'll be able to incorporate a lot of different things within your own supply chains. But I think understanding all these things and, and actually implementing them is, uh, is impressive and it's really hard to do. So congrats on the first decade and, and best of luck to you and the team for the next decade to come. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you.